0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This
1: is
2: FinSider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money, Sirin the Creepy Soccer Dad, and Houts, M.T. Hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined by certain the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD. And the Dolphins are coming off a 26-24 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that is not the real story. The real story we will get to throughout this podcast, the Dolphins showing signs of life on their offensive drives throughout the uh, first and second series and throughout other parts of the game as well. We'll kind of touch on the wide receiver core, some really bright spots from Mika Fitzpatrick, a little bit of hesitation from Raquan McMillan. We're going to look at all that and talk about how that may turn into and parlay into week two and week three and beyond. We're going to talk a little bit about training camp, but we have a jam-packed show tonight and we are going to be joined by Matt Harmon of Yahoo Fantasy in just a few moments. We're going to take you around the NFL. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns, talk about Hugh Jackson and kind of the weirdness surrounding him and everything else in terms of what he's saying to the media, what he's saying on Hard Knocks, and things aren't just making sense around that. We're going to talk about Devontae Parker and whether it's time to move on from him or not, and then we're just going to take a brief preview looking ahead to the Carolina Panthers game on Friday. Again, it's preseason. You really can't take away too much in terms of what teams are doing. They're being very vanilla, but it is good. Good. It is fun. It is nice to see Miami Dolphins football back on TV. Ryan Tannehill, I thought looked really good, except those last two throws a little off touch there. Houts and Sutton, your thoughts on the Miami Dolphins having football back once again?
3: I'm stoked. I'm trying to avoid my wife, so I don't have any more kids, but I'm pretty excited.
4: Yeah, I mean, football's back. I was sitting there cleaning my wife's, uh, uh, I guess it'd be, what, the, the, the breast pump, the, the things that you use to to get the milk out or whatever. I was cleaning those while freaking Bryce Petty was leading a, what I, we hope to be a game-winning drive. So, I mean, it, it's great to have football back in our lives and uh, get Brock Osweiler off the team, please. That's all I ask.
2: Bryce Petty did look very good. Brock Osweiler looked very bad at a quarterback that tall, getting that many passes. Batted down with the line of scrimmage it is something to be concerned with. I said a few weeks ago, Brock Osweiler probably will not make it uh, through to the regular season. I predicted after the second preseason game, he would be cut from the roster. It seems like everything is still headed in that direction. Remember, after the second preseason game, you really get that dress rehearsal game three, where the starters play pretty much the first half. And then you throw in your backup quarterback for the second half. That would be David Fales, I believe, at this point. And then the last game of the season, your starters really aren't playing maybe a series. If anything, And then you let the young guys who are fighting for roster spots battle it out. So while Osweiler could make it to game four just to have that arm in there, anything beyond that is just not going to happen. But we're going to touch on all that as we preview the Carolina Panthers game and tie it all into each other. Fantasy football. We are joined by Matt Harmon of Yahoo Fantasy Football, Matt coming from NFL.com, very respected writer, and of course very respected and funny Twitter user, Matt's most famous For reception perception where he uses the next gen stats to kind of chart out the wide receivers routes and and everything that goes along with that. Matt, it must have been a whirlwind of a few weeks for you moving from the NFL Network to Yahoo and taking the reins on this platform. I've already noticed huge improvements to the Yahoo platform. I've been a big user of it in the past and, and the present and I do look forward to what's coming ahead. Matt, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. If you could just talk to us about your transition from NFL.com and NFL Network to Yahoo.
0: Oh well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a fun time of year right now, and obviously, a very busy time to be making a, a career transition here. But I tell you what, guys, I couldn't be uh, more excited to be with Yahoo this season. You know, there's a lot of good stuff going on here, um, and you know, stuff that I didn't even know about uh, from the outside in, even as somebody that you know I know. All of the a lot of the analysts here um I use the fantasy game on Yahoo and 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 there's some stuff going on here that I think more more users need to know about and that's part of what I'm going to try to do is as you know respected Twitter user as you said I like I like that title that's that's definitely something I've uh, always strived for but you know being being somebody that's definitely you know familiar with the bit of shameless self promotion that's going to be part of uh my job here is to make sure that people know about what's going on here and like I said there's a lot of cool stuff Um, that we're going to be doing this season. So I'm I'm really excited to be here.
4: Matt Houts here. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and talk fantasy football. I have a Dolphins-related question. Which players are you most intrigued for for the 2018 season, and which of these players are you targeting most in your fantasy drafts this year?
0: Right, the, the Dolphins are an interesting team this year. I, I don't know, you know, how much optimism you guys have coming into the year at all. Um, I, I definitely when I projected out this offense, along with every other team in the NFL, this was one of the offenses that I I did not project as one of the better ones in the league. You know, I think there are some interesting players here for sure, um, but whenever you project an offense maybe to be outside that top 15 range, you're generally looking at a unit that you're probably not picking a ton of meat off the bone uh in the fantasy world. Uh there are definitely players that I'm interested in drafting and that are on the Dolphins, however. Uh the main two ones um are Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills. You know, coming from over from the NFL network, I was doing a lot of work with the next gen stats player tracking data. And there was a metric that we used to kind of quantify running back elusiveness called yards gained after close. And Kenyon Drake was one of the top performers in that uh in the brief kind of glimpse that we saw of him as the Dolphins feature back um and, and I so I think he's a really good runner I mean you could see especially in that game against the Patriots on prime time he was a real a guy that just went out there broke a ton of tackles looked like a you know one of those Le'Veon Bell David Johnson type players who just handles a bulk of the touches and does really well with them so I'm excited about Kenny Drake this year the only big question with him is you know how much are guys like Frank Gore going to be involved? I, I think Gore is still a reliable runner. I mean, he's the, he's the fantasy cockroach. You know, he never dies. Um, so he, he's definitely somebody <laughs> they think is going to be. Which is you know, I, I say that in in a complimentary way. I, I hope to be uh, absolutely. Be I hope to be in my career for such a long period of time and, and doing well. In it, as Frank Gore is still doing at the running back position, but I so I think I think Kenyon Drake is a guy that you can definitely take as kind of maybe your your second running back or your third running back, if you're going with a heavier running back, start up there towards the top of the draft. Um, I, I just hope they really let him kind of get his get his feet wet in this workhorse role, um, especially if he can catch passes out of the backfield. So that's always a help in fantasy. And then the second guy I mentioned is Kenny Stills. And, you know, I, well, I said I'm not, like, too excited about this offense overall. I am really excited about Stills' outlook this year. You know, with Jarvis Landry gone, kind of the – you know, NFL's premier target black hole, you know, just sucks all of this volume into the middle of the field out of that slot position. With him gone, there's so much passing room vacated. I think Stills is the favorite to lead the team in receiving. Um, And right now, especially with Parker, you know, apparently suffering a hand injury uh, with that news about that just broke this morning. I I definitely think Stills would be odds on favorite. It's really not even close to be the top receiver on the team. I haven't projected for a top 30 finish. um, And he's a guy that you can consistently get in the, 10th, 11th round, and, and I've been aggressively
5: pursuing him uh, as a value play all year. Matt Sutton here. I'm going to start you off with a real brain buster. What is the ideal number of beers you should consume before a fantasy football draft? Oh, this is a great
0: question uh, because it's it's very delicate. And, you know, it's one of those things kind of to each their own because you got to know your own tolerance. But you want to have enough in you to be confident, and you know, especially to be confident to like mess around with your other league mates, especially if it's a live draft. Um, but the last <laughs> yeah. thing you want to be the last thing you want to be doing, especially if it's not a live draft and you're just, you know, by yourself or with a few people, you know, on the computer, you don't want to be too drunk and making picks, you know, and getting wild. So <laughs> it's a delicate balance. Uh, for me personally, I like to stick in the kind of to, you know, have one before the draft, one in the early rounds, and then maybe another in the later rounds. I mean, shoot, if you can get up to four by the end of the draft, that's, that's fine. Uh, just make sure your kind of back half picks uh, aren't going too crazy, like you're, you know, drafting RG3 or something. I don't know.
5: <laughs> it's kind of like darts for me. Like, I, there's like this – beautiful range of you know I have like three beers and I'm hitting bullseyes and then I have five and I'm throwing it off the board so just kind of have to find that perfect balance there so let me get to a real question for you the volatility of early running backs is a pretty well documented thing now in the fantasy football world so you know if you take this as a inevitability in 2018 who are some of those guys that are in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds that you could see sneaking into the top 10 by the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, the
0: the running back position, as you mentioned, is super volatile. Um, I always look for guys that could be potential workhorses if something breaks, you know, if chaos hits, because, you know, Sean Siegel, the, the great author of the Zero RB Theory, who is a lot of who a lot of people have worked off of his ideas to come up with the volatility of the early running back position. You know, he's a guy who talked about just chaos and how you can, as a fantasy owner, try to benefit from chaos because we know that the NFL season is going to bring that upon us, whether it's injuries, changes in coaching, changes in scheme, things just don't go as we expect them to go. Uh, So I would look for players who could benefit injury wise from chaos. And I look at both of the Titans running backs as, as one of these guys, because it, I like both of them this year. I have them in uh, in a high tier, you know, around the RB 17, 18 range, right back to back. Um, and I, if one of them was to go down, and you have the other one, you know, if you have Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry gets hurt, Derrick Henry. Uh, if you if Deion Lewis gets hurt, and Lewis obviously has a long durability, like not good track record. Uh, I don't want the other one whoever's left is going to be it it, to me be the future back of a really really good offense I like the Titans offense to take that next step this year and therefore both of those running backs are are players I'm interested in uh, in that in that fourth fifth round range Lewis is a guy I've consistently been drafting uh, in that fourth fifth round range because he usually will flip there in best ball leagues and to me Uh, Again, he could
5: benefit from that injury
0: chaos. And honestly, there's just not a lot of running back picks I like in that range.
5: I'm going to ask you one more, Matt, and thanks again for your time spending a few minutes with Insider Radio. The tight end position is kind of a hard one for me to project to. I'm not really sure what the best strategy is. I I see people kind of reaching for some of those tier Mm -hmm. one guys. So you see Gronk and Kelsey getting overdrafted. But there's a significant standard deviation between that first group and the rest of the tight ends, in my opinion. So how do you just kind of approach the tight end situation in general? Do you, do you see some guys in later rounds that you kind of bank on or are you aggressive and go for that? One of those, you know, first two or three tight ends on the board. Yeah, to be honest with you,
0: I hate the tight end position. You know, I'm doing my tears at Yahoo <laughs> to
5: find them all there. Um, and,
0: and the tight end one is the last group I have to do. I'm hoping to publish it later tonight um, and it's just a train wreck, man. You know, you go be like you said, you go beyond kind of the top seven guys, and I start losing confidence really, really quickly. Usually, there's mm-hmm. like, there's a late round tight end or two that I kind of have my eye on. This year, there's really nobody after after I get into that kind of double digit round range that I'm like legitimately excited about drafting. You know, like OJ Howard is a guy who's interesting with the with the Bucks, but I think he's a big play type of guy. He was really high in yards per route run last year, but not somebody that I think you can really lock into volume. So for me, I have been kind of looking in those single-digit rounds for my tight end. You know, I I like Gronk this year an awful lot. Uh, I think he's a a great second-round pick, especially if you can double him up with one of these early workhorse running backs like a David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, you know, Todd Gurley. There's a chance Gronk flips to kind of that back half of the second round if you're in more of a casual draft. I love that pairing. Um, Gronk, to me, you know, with – with the fact that the Patriots don't really have, like, a true dominant outside perimeter receiver. Um, When they did not have that back in 2016 before Brandon Cooks got there, you know, they were using Gronk as a deep threat. You know, he was averaging over 20 yards of reception. I think that this could be that type of season for Gronk. And if I don't get Gronk, I generally haven't been going after the Kelsey Ertz tier, which to me are separate guys from Gronk. And then I'm usually looking later, uh, you know, the seventh to ninth round for a player like Delaney Walker – Uh, who I like, again, from that Titans offense, or George Kittle. Unfortunately, he's hurt right now, so I'm a little bit more hesitant than I was probably a week ago to say George Kittle, but he's another guy that I think has a shot to be a breakout player in the 49ers offense.
2: We're joined by Matt Harmon of Yahoo Fantasy. Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What is your biggest fantasy bust this coming season, and who is your biggest fantasy breakout star?
0: Yeah, I think for fantasy bust, uh, you know, actually, I, Darius Geis was a guy I wasn't drafting um, at cost, and you know, I'm I'm off him. Obviously, now he's hurt for the year, uh, so he was, he was some player that I I would have said about a week ago, but we won't unfortunately for unfortunately for all of us, we won't get to see him play this year. So another rookie running back I'm not drafting is Ronald Jones um, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Peyton Barber I think is going to be a legit threat for them um Dirk Cutter has said he's the starter I don't know whether I want to totally buy into that or not but regardless I don't like to take running backs on bad teams and I don't think this Bucks team is going to be very good this year I do think they have some interesting offensive pieces but their defense is not is not great they don't get off to a good early season schedule and their quarterback is suspended to start the year their schedule is actually one of the top five hardest according to uh Warren Sharp of Sharp football stats he's one of the best and, you and know, strength of strength of schedule projectors in the business. So I, I don't want to take a running back there. And the fact that Jones is not a good pass catcher, that just makes it even more of a tenuous bet to be taking him uh, on a team that's probably projected to be in a lot of negative game scripts. Um, and my breakout guy is somebody that, you know, there's a lot of interesting players in, in the wide receiver range at kind of the late rounds. One guy I've, I really like is a player I've liked for a long time is Tyler Lockett. You know, you've heard the sell before <laughs> from yours truly. Uh, if you've been following me for the last several years. But I think this is the year that we finally see him get the volume that's needed to go along with his ability to have that breakout season. You know, with Jimmy Graham, Luke Wilson, uh, Paul Richardson gone out the door in free agency, that's almost 200 targets vacated from last year. I think the Seahawks, despite the fact that they want to run the football, they're going to have to throw it because this team is, it was already top five in percentage of, plays that they ran last year while they were trailing and I think their defense has gotten worse so to me the, the Seahawks going to be taken to the air and with Doug Baldwin banged up coming to the year, the lack of just any proven talent on that wide receiver and tight end depth chart I think we see Lockett get up to a 20 percent target share in a Russell Wilson offense and that means he's going to way out kick his uh his average draft position which is right now in like the wide receiver 45 to 50 range
2: Matt, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. We're all itching for fantasy football to start up. I know I have about five, six, seven leagues upcoming with drafts after week three of preseason. I know that's when a lot of us do these drafts, so we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to continuing to follow your work on Yahoo, and best of luck in the future.
0: Well, hey, I hope all five of those drafts are on Yahoo, but seriously, I appreciate you guys. Oh, absolutely, they are. Uh,
2: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, good luck this season.
2: And a great interview with Matt Harmon. Uh, we are very thankful for Matt Harmon to come on to Finnsider Radio. As we grow, boys, as we have been together for two years, it's really great to see the evolution of this show where just three of us started out, you know, just a bunch of schmucks in, in that one summer of July 2016. And I remember that first show we did? We we're just kind of feeling each other out there and, and really getting a hang with each other. And we've evolved so much since then and it just speaks volumes the kind of guests we are getting on this show dating back to the past few months Tony Pauline uh, guys like you know the big draft
3: analyst that we had on the show
2: Joe Matt, can, Matt
3: can you remember can you remember shows where we would be like stepping over each other and we would be like ah it doesn't matter we have like seven aunts and uncles and cousins (laughs) listening to our show right now exactly so like we're just whatever yeah no we've come come a long way and and for a guy like
2: matt Harmon to come onto the show uh matt is very busy obviously going from nfl.com to yahoo just getting that job and overseeing now yahoo fantasy and, and fantasy football just to take time out of his day speaks volumes. We have Patrick Claybon from the NFL Network on a few weeks ago leading up to the draft. And like I mentioned, those big-time draft analysts that we had on the show. We're going to keep evolving. It's going to get bigger. We're going to get better. And we do have some big news to announce. We can't announce it yet. The rest assured we will announce it as soon as we can on Twitter and, of course, here on this podcast. But anyways, let's get back to the interview with Matt. He mentioned a lot of things. I thought the most interesting thing talking about the Dolphins was Kenny Stills. And while on the surface, you know, it may seem really interesting that he'd mentioned Kenny Stills as one of his top 30 wide receivers. When you really look at it, if you remember, Ryan Tannehill had a great connection with Stills when he was playing, when he was healthy. And obviously, Jay Cutler couldn't throw to anyone last year, and it was a really tough year for all the wide receivers. And I don't think it was a coincidence that Ryan Tannehill's first completed pass in the preseason game against the Buccaneers was to Kenny Stills. They have tremendous chemistry. I think Kenny Stills is just going to keep getting better and better with that new wide receiver core they have now. I think it's going to work out tremendously for Stills. And and I think Matt Harmon is right on. If you're not drafting Kenny Stills in the mid rounds, if you're getting him in the later rounds, you're getting a steal. But if you're not taking a chance on him in, you know, maybe round six, seven, eight, I think you're going to be missing out on what he can do this season. How's your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I've been a guy who's been pretty high on Kenny Stills since he's been traded here from New Orleans. I drafted him. I mean, you and I, Matt, we're in a bunch of fantasy leagues. I have him in at least three, if not four. Uh, and you got to look back at what he did in 2016 with Ryan Tannehill, 42 receptions, 726 yards. He averaged 17.3 yards per catch and nine touchdowns. Last year with Jay Culler, 58 receptions, 847 yards, and six touchdowns. Kenny Stills is probably the most consistent and most reliable target on the Dolphins. He's that guy who's going to go out there and day in and day out grind. He can work in the slot. He can work on the outside. He takes the top off of defenses. So, for me, Kenny Stills is probably the Dolphins' best wide receiver, if not easily the most consistent. Uh, You hear a guy like Matt Harmon who, you know, he does his work with Yahoo. He worked for NFL Network. He's going out there and saying Kenny Stills is a top 30 draft pick. That's big news. I mean, he's a guy who – you know, some guys in some leagues may not even draft him. So you got Kenny still sitting there. He may go in later rounds, go all in on that.
2: So, and Matt also talked about Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. And right now, Kenyon Drake's ADP, which is average draft position is round four, pick number three, pick number two, pick number four. So basically right at the top of the fourth round, if you're drafting, even as you're not a Dolphins fan, right? Because the object of fantasy football is to win. And we talked about this last week. Do you draft your rivals? Do you draft whatever for me? I draft whoever's going to help me win. But the problem is, and we talked about this before on the show is that we think that Frank Gore is going to snipe a lot of Kenyon Drake's red zone carry. So while Kenyon Drake may get the bulk of the yards throughout the game, may get receptions here and there throughout the game, the big points in fantasy, we all know come with touchdowns. So if you saw in our drafting, right. And Kenyon Drake is on the board. The top of the fourth round ended a third round. Are you taking a chance on Drake, or are you kind of shying away now that Gore's in the mix? And also Kalen Ballage is impressing thus far in camp and week one of preseason.
3: It's been something I've been thinking about a lot lately because my draft's coming up, and I have the number nine pick in my league. So it's kind of in my wheelhouse there where Kenyon Drake is available. And I have to be honest with you. You know, I, I do think this is going to shake out to be more of a committee than maybe we want to believe because we saw the 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 end-of-the-year production in 2017 for Kenyon Drake, and you just know how explosive he is, and you know that uh, he can put some serious stats on the boards. We, we've already seen it, but Frank Gore is still going to be a factor, and Kalen Ballage, despite the, the crazy play he had in that preseason game where he leapfrogs him and has a fumble – but you just see, you you see the bursts there. So I, I'm I'm thinking this is going to be like I said earlier. It's, it's going to be a little bit more of a committee than we might think. So I'm a little bit bearish on on Kenyon Drake, and I'm going to be looking at him later if I can get him. But if not, I'll be looking at some other other options there. And we all know the best way to go into the draft is not to have any preconceived
2: notions of where you're going to draft someone, how you're going to draft someone when you're going to draft somebody. It's all about the flow of the draft. And as we get closer to really picking up with draft season after preseason week 3 we'll kind of talk about that. We'll bring some people on to really give you some draft tips, but you know, you got to see how your draft shakes out in real life, running back committee, three headed monster. That's going to be amazing fantasy life. that's not going to be so amazing. Matt Harmon also touched on a few other things, you know, General NFL talked about Tyler Lockett breaking out. Matt Harmon's been a huge fan of Tyler Lockett over the years. I don't personally see it. I think if he hasn't broken out now, it's going to be tough for him to really just kind of shatter everything. He also talked about the different uh, tight end positions and, and how there's not much once you get in to the deep end of the tight end class. And we know that from experience, all of us who have played fantasy football, if you're not getting one of those top tier tight ends, although it has gotten better the past few years, it's going to be really tough to remain consistent and play with the tight end position throughout the season. I think the best part of that interview or one of the best parts of that interview was the beer talk. And, (laughs) You guys know me. Everyone knows me based on the lies you guys make up about me only being able to handle two beers. Ah, uh, ah, I, I can ah, handle yeah. much more than that Uh huh. And, and how it's like to make up stories. But, you know, it, it's a tradition, and, and I prefer my fantasy drafts to be in person. I do not like the drafts where you jump on the computer, everyone's at their own house, and you got two minutes to pick, and, and you finish a draft in an hour and a half. That's not my cup of tea. Do I do those? Oh. Yes, I do at least one of those per year just because of the circumstances involved. Do I like to do them? No, I hate it. One of the best parts about fantasy football is getting together with your league mates for the draft, having a nice big cookout, getting pizza, getting wings, cooking on the grill, drinking beer, everything else. When I was younger, of course, still over 21, but when I was younger, I didn't realize the implications of drinking too much alcohol during the draft. and Then you start getting foggy, round 10, round 11, round 12. And sometimes that's where you can win the draft with the sleepers and the guys that are under the radar. Everyone does well in the first, second and third rounds. It's when you start getting into the middle of the draft and deep end of the draft. So how what is your favorite draft day tradition, favorite food, favorite, whatever, you know, what do you do with your league mates on draft day?
4: Well, you said you don't like to do those online drafts and I'm definitely in a bunch of those. So, uh, Shoot me, do whatever you must do. But when I do the online leagues, when I finally get to meet my friends in person and we sit there and draft, uh, I go in there wearing my Dolphins gear. I drink as much beer as I can. I kind of have a list as I go in there. But at the end of the day, you're just picking, you know, the best player available that you'd like. So, for me, drink lots of beer. I know Matt said he drinks, what, roughly four. If you drank four, Kanati, you might be six feet underground. (laughs) So, so you got you definitely got to have a buzz when you're doing this draft Because at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know about you guys But when I'm on the clock, I get a little bit of anxiety Like I start to freeze up a little bit uh, So drink lots of beer, eat some food, fries, wings I, I really wish we could have uh, your your cousin's wings again <laughs> and, uh, Because those things were freaking incredible I, I don't understand what he did to
3: those things But
4: that, that would be it for me uh, Drink lots of beer and go out there and draft as best as you possibly can
3: Dude, I ate those wings like four hours after you guys did, and they were still delicious. So I can't imagine what they tasted like when they were fresh. That but was a great tailgate. That was. I'm sorry. Did you say it was
4: like Goya? Like, didn't you use like Goya marinade? I, I like, don't know. I can't was, remember. Was that was
3: that was great. That was the good. best wings. And I'll I'll never forget how frustrated I was with that whole flight bullcrap. But anyway, yeah. I I do one league, and I do it with my best friends from home and it's one of those things where you just get together with the guys. We only see each other maybe twice a year. So we are pretty much lit by nine thirty in the morning and it's just a complete, uh, crap show sorry to have to edit it <laughs> PG versions like that but i mean it's we're we're a train wreck and we're we're lucky to even get the draft started on time and all that kind of stuff so that's how we approach the draft <laughs> i mean that's why i try to know my stuff before i get to that state so i can just do it as a zombie i don't even have right. to think about it i just kind of put the pick in and i just do it Um, So that's kind of my approach to the draft is just know as much as you can before you actually start partying with your friends because once that starts happening, you never know what's going to happen. Fantasy football is the best time of the year for me,
2: fantasy football drafts. I love it. I'm addicted to drafts, and sometimes after I join a league when the draft is over, I'll say, why did I just join this league? But the adrenaline rush during the draft and just trying to outsmart everyone throughout the draft process is one of the biggest thrills, at least for my life which also means that i probably need to get a life if having a fantasy football draft is one of the biggest throws of my
3: life but it is what it is <laughs> especially when you're in 72 leagues Round the nfl
2: It is now time to go around the NFL headlines, courtesy of rotoworld.com. The Athletics' Jeff Zyberg considers John Brown the standout of Ravens' camp. Keep an eye on that as we move forward for the fantasy drafts. Bengals coach Marvin Lewis said he never wants Tyler Eifert to play 50 snaps in a game this season. Ben Roethlisberger in the concussion protocol after taking a hit in Tuesday's practice. Orlando Skandrick visiting the Chiefs. He is obviously a free agent cornerback after playing for the Cowboys. Dolphins reuniting with defensive end Kendall Lankford after they cut ties with defensive tackle Gabe Wright after he blindsided Kenyon Drake with an elbow to the forearm when Kenyon Drake was not wearing a helmet. The Las Vegas Review Journal is impressed with how Derek Carr has come along. And new coach John Gruden system again, something to keep an eye on during your fantasy drafts. Free agent wide receiver Des Bryant will visit the Browns on Thursday. Nothing guaranteed. They need to feel each other out and see if it's a good fit on both sides. Jaguars.com expects the team to feature Corey Grant more in 2018, maybe a lot more. Grant touched the ball just 33 times last season. Running back, pay attention to that as well. Jets coach unhappy with Terrell Pryor who discussed his injury Todd Bowles said that Pryor should keep his mouth shut and leave the injuries to me sounds like everything is just dandy in Jets world and everything is just dandy in Cleveland Browns world or so people like to think but that is not the case after defensive coordinator Greg Williams and offensive coordinator Todd Haley got into a little argument at practice when the defense bumped up against Baker Mayfield Hugh Jackson downplaying it and also downplaying Jarvis Landry's remarks that we saw on Hard Knocks, and of course Jarvis Landry getting into that fight with his teammates after he was stepped on on the practice field. But I think the big conversation here is Hugh Jackson. Is he in over his head? We all saw Hard Knocks last week in terms of what he was saying when Todd Haley and Greg Williams and other coaches were arguing that players needed to be on the field so they can change the culture, and Hugh Jackson basically telling them, hey, I drive the bus, this is what I do, this is how we're going to do that. We're going to keep them off to the side so they can recover because we need people not in the uh, trainer's room. We need people on the field, but uh, Hugh Jackson getting a lot of heat over that. And I think it is well warranted. I think Hugh Jackson appears to be in over his head, obviously winning just one game in the past two seasons. I don't see things getting much better. How What are your thoughts on Hugh Jackson?
4: Yeah. If you go back and you just type in Hugh Jackson on Twitter and at House, you're going to see a. Me just going out there and just praising that guy, hoping to God he comes to the Dolphins. Thank God he did. I mean, you see him on there. He's driving the school bus. If anything, it's the magic school bus straight to the anus, and he's going out the other end. I mean, it is a shit show in Cleveland. Uh, you hope to see Hugh Jackson kind of pull everything together. He's supposed to be the offensive mastermind. We saw it with Oakland. I mean, he, he did have some good games there. I think they went 8-8 eight and eight one season. I always thought he got the short end of the stick, and I was excited for him to see his next opportunity as a head coach, but uh, just hearing that, I mean, I feel like the clock's ticking. I think Todd Haley's going to take over that uh, coaching spot sooner than later. Um, You you said it one win over the last two years. I I do want I I don't understand how you let Baker Mayfield get hit and you're okay with it. And you say, you know, it's just, it's just football players being football players. You can't let that guy take a hit. Uh, What's going on there in Cleveland. I mean, you see these pieces coming together. You expect big things out of them this year, or at least, you know, more than one win, but Hugh Jackson doesn't seem to have a good grasp on that team, and I think it's going to eventually unravel.
3: Well, being up in Cleveland, I hear a lot of support for Hugh. And, you know, as you might expect, I live in Cleveland and people want Hugh to do well. So it's not that crazy of a concept. Um, so I'll try to like be the best mediator that I can here. How to your point, though. I mean, Tannehill took a shot from McMillan, did he not? So, I mean, that, that's not necessarily a sign of a dysfunctional team. But uh, and my m- my cousin and I, I really rely on him for Browns knowledge. Is Matt McGuffey? I got to give him a shout out real quick. Uh, you know, he he's pretty much told me that it, it's it's not. What you're seeing on TV right now is not really the concern of Browns fans right now. Take that for what it's worth, okay? Take that with a ground of salt, everybody. But uh, there's more talent on this roster than they're used to having, and the fact that Todd Haley's in there taking more control over the offense is going to have a better reflection of what Hugh can do for that overall team. Um, So we're going to see, and really the villain in Cleveland – uh, just to kind of cut through all the BS for you guys, uh, the real villain in Cleveland right now is Sashi Brown and his approach to everything. And I can just remember that screenshot that Ben Albright had of an email that he got from somebody in the Cleveland organization that was basically like Sashi is home every evening really early to play with those kids. And he's not paying attention to anything. So you just never know what the landscape is like with the team. And for me, just someone with a background in psychology, the intersection between all this weird stuff that happens, the, the job self-preservation with the nepotism of people working with people who know people, who are friends with people, and all that kind of stuff, and then just to see how cutthroat it can also be. You just see so many weird things happen in this league, and you you get to see some of it unfold on hard knocks. We may not be the ultimate um, mind's eye, so to speak. We don't necessarily have all the details that we can see, but you can reasonably expect that weird stuff's going to happen in the NFL with all that crazy intersection of egos and just um, – Weird combinations of people working together. We'll see how the Cleveland Browns shake out
2: this regular season, but I'm not really seeing much to be looking forward to. While Baker Mayfield is impressing thus far, Hugh Jackson is consistently saying that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter. Boggles my mind. I mean, I guess I could see it in a way, but if Baker Mayfield's outperforming the veteran, uh, why don't you start him? But Hugh needs to win. And if Hugh doesn't win, he's going to be out in Cleveland. So I could also see his viewpoint of why he wants to start the veteran. But that's why they play the games. Remember, the Cleveland Browns went 4-0 last year in preseason and then went on to win just one game. In our view... <sighs> In this week's segment of In Our View, we're going to talk a little bit about Devontae Parker, and it just seems like Devontae Parker cannot escape the injury bug. He is now out and is week-to-week with a middle broken finger. It seems like every time you turn around, there's a new injury with Devontae. seems like he cannot fight through these injuries, soft per se, and the rumors are out there that they are looking to trade him. Someone actually told me that they'd be very surprised if Devontae Parker was on the opening day roster. We'll have to see if that comes to fruition. I know the Dolphins have expressed interest in trading Parker in the past, but couldn't find a suitor. Parker's trade value is basically minimal at this point. Probably would go for a six or seven round pick. Might even be cut outright. Who knows if they can't find a viable trade partner. But for me, I think it is time to move on from Devontae Parker. I tweeted out the other day, when you look at Adam Gase's philosophy, and when you look at the guys he's brought in over the years, and Captain Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. They're smart, gritty, tough football players. Devontae Parker isn't described as the smartest guy. Definitely not the toughest guy. Definitely not the grittiest guy just doesn't fit. And he's been kept around because he's a first round pick. And in the NFL, if you're a first round pick, you get a lot of chances. And for me, I think it's very simple to say that Devontae Parker is a draft bust. I don't think he's ever going to reach his full potential in Miami. I don't know if he's ever going to reach his full potential anywhere in the NFL. Seems like he needs to be coddled. And no matter what the coaches try to do in Miami, he just can't seem to find it click. so and do you think it is time to move on from Devontae Parker?
3: Devontae Parker is like a bad massage. It'll feel good for a few seconds and then all of a second, you know, all of a sudden there's just absolutely nothing. You're just you're not being massaged and whether it's injury or mild production we just we don't have that happy ending that we're looking for so when you look into possibly trading him and when you you look at the the finger injury and you don't even know if that's even a possibility anymore but if you can trade him you have a 1.9 million dollar savings on the salary cap and it would Effectively void the fifth year option that we've already given him. So I'm not sure what the exact protocol will be for that, but uh, we would be void of the fifth year option. But I can remember last year, and how it's forgive me, I don't remember specifically where you were uh, on the Devontae Parker spectrum, but I know Kanata and I were pretty down on Devontae last year, and there's just really no reason to think differently right now. We've seen the splash plays. You see the unreal catches. You just don't see the consistency. And you see the preoccupation with responding to people on social media. So you just don't know where his head's at. And physically, he's just had the up and down injuries here and there. You just haven't seen the consistent production that you would have liked to have seen at this point. All that being said, you know I, I'm willing to be patient on this one if anything because we can rescind the fifth year option no matter what uh, but he does just he offers a size that we don't have right now and he has the jump ball ability that we don't have right now so if it's not absolutely necessary to discard him for nothing for pennies on the dollar then let's keep him if we can actually get something let's let's look to move him but there's reason to believe that we're looking in the rearview mirror, looking at, at Devontae's best days behind us.
4: I was absolutely dying laughing. You somehow tied a massage and happy ending into a Devontae Parker talk. I have no idea how he did, but so <laughs> I mean, that, that was absolutely incredible. I was in, almost in tears. Um, <laughs> you, you may not remember where I was on the Devontae Parker hype train, but I've been pretty adamant that I do think that he could become that number one. Uh every year at this time, you know, you get excited. Oh, God. I traded DeAndre Hopkins for Devontae Parker and Joe Mixon. I've said it a couple times now. I'm gonna keep saying it. Uh I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but Devontae Parker, I mean, if you're gonna get a sixth or seventh round pick, I'd rather just keep him on that 53-man roster and see what he can become. Uh you gotta look back at what he did in 2016 with Tannehill, 56 receptions, 744 yards, and four touchdowns. Those aren't godly numbers. That's not what you expect from a high first-round pick. But uh, like you said, son, he has that size. He has that ability on the outside that none of these other receivers can do. I mean, Mike Jasicki might be the closest guy that can go out there, split out wide, and just bully a cornerback. So, uh, he, as much as you don't want to trade him, as much as you don't want to give up on him right now, uh, he's making it pretty hard. I mean, every week it seems like there's a different injury. You touched on it. He goes on social media. He's going after Armando Salguero. He's blocking people. He's getting in uh, disputes with some of the fans. I mean, that's not what you want to see out of your receiver. That's not what you want to see out of any football player, and it just seems like he lacks that maturity. I think this year he finally got his diet right. We all know what happened with Chris Chambers earlier in the season. So Devontae Parker, I mean, as much as we want to see him him succeed in Miami, uh, I don't know that it will happen. I'm still rooting for the guy. I would not give up on him for a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick. Uh, if you're going to trade him for a corner, I mean, that might be your best bet. But even then, I know I think Kanata threw it out there. Someone else may have. The Dolphins would be looking to probably give up a pick along with Devontae Parker for a suitable corner. That's not something I'm willing to do. Uh, the difficult thing comes down to whether Isaiah Ford and Francis Owusu, right? I think that's how you pronounce that. I mean, if they keep balling out in preseason, would you keep Devontae Parker and Leonte Carew over those two guys who are younger, you know, cheaper? have shown more in preseason than, you know, some of these guys have in even the regular season. So, uh, that, that would be the hardest thing for me to decide on. And at that point, I mean, the, you're splitting hairs. I, I like to see Devontae Park on the 53 man roster. I just don't know if it's going to happen. And I definitely don't know if he'll ever turn into the receiver that we all
2: had hoped he would become. Dolphins versus Panthers. And as we head into week two of the NFL preseason against the Carolina Panthers on Friday evening, the Dolphins are looking to continue their offensive progress and their defensive improvement because we saw the defense get gashed up quite a bit against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But how it's in the last segment, you mentioned Francis Owosu and also Isaiah Ford and some of the younger guys coming along. And you're right, if Francis Owosu keeps up this momentum, It just keeps making Devontae Parker even more expendable. If Isaiah Ford can stay healthy and on the field, it makes Devontae Parker more expendable. So as we look ahead to the Carolina Panthers game, I'm going to be looking forward to see what Adam Gase does with those two receivers. Is he going to push them up with the number twos? Because they were playing with the number threes and the fours against the Buccaneers. If he pushes them up with the twos and even gets maybe some action with the ones, then that may tell us something in terms of where he wants to go with this group. I would love to see a Wosu. He has similar uh, skill set to Devontae, similar traits, similar build to Devontae Parker. Looks like that big outside possession receiver, tremendous hands, and we've seen some highlight catches of him in his college career, even in preseason last year. And almost came with that spectacular catch against the Buccaneers where he was falling down, covered by two guys, and still almost came up with it. I I think if they prove themselves for the next few weeks, I think we're just going to continue to hear the Devontae Parker rumors keep heating up and just makes him more expendable. As you now have Albert Wilson, Jakeem Brands, Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola in that main rotation as your top four and the other two backing them up there. I'm also looking forward to see the defense improving because as I just mentioned, they were gashed quite a bit. The Dolphins have been working with Bobby McCain on the outside and Mika Fitzpatrick in the nickel. I'm not a huge fan of that because I do think Minka is ruthless over the top, as we saw against the Buccaneers making several big hits. But I'm going to let you talk about Minka because I know you're a huge fan of him, and I just want to hear your enthusiasm and your passion for Minka Fitzpatrick as the safety on the Miami Dolphins.
4: Yeah, I just said it a couple times. I think he might be the best cover safety on the team. I like Rashad Jones. I I mean, I love Rashad Jones. TJ McDonald, he can do a lot of things, but I think Minka's probably the best cover safety of the bunch. Uh, you've seen Rashad Jones get beat deep we definitely saw TJ McDonald get beat deep a couple times so I mean it's interesting to see what the Dolphins are doing here I mean they brought in those free agents Uh, Rashad Breland I know he came in and the Dolphins didn't quite agree to terms with him and then you move Bobby McCain outside and Minka in the slot uh, or nickel I should say I mean I don't I'm not against that but I would like to see Minka deep on those obvious obvious passing situations so Anytime you get Mika Fitzpatrick on the field, I think he's going to be one of those guys who might get 100% of the snaps this season. I think he's very versatile, and that's why the Dolphins ended up you know, drafting him. I mean, he fell in their lap, but I mean, that's why the Dolphins brought him in, to be this versatile piece. He's a guy who can play nickel. He might even be able to play boundary, and he can definitely play free safety. So I'm excited to see how they move him, how they continue to work him into the system. Another guy that we've uh, heard huge things about, I mean, Rayquan McMillan, he went out there. Uh, Some people are saying he looked a little lost. I mean, it was his first real game in the NFL, so I'm not too concerned about that. But Jerome Baker, he went out there. He sees his opportunities. Uh, He looked to have overthrown uh, Stephon Anthony on the depth chart. And, I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do next to Raekwon with Kiko there. I mean, that linebacking core, that might have been the biggest weakness of the Dolphins in 2017. I'm excited to see the way they play against the Panthers.
2: You mentioned his linebacker core and Jerome Baker did look good. And because of his performance, he got a run with the number ones in practice. But Raekwon McMillan, as you just mentioned a little bit as well, looked a little bit hesitant. And I mentioned this at the top of the show. People were getting down on him after that first preseason game and saying that. (laughs) he's a bust, which is absolutely insane that some people are saying that, but you know, Twitter, you know, Dolphins fans, everyone overreacts. And it's not just Dolphins fans. It's everywhere around the NFL. I bet you if you go to any fan base on Twitter during their games, it'd be a absolute circus like it is with Dolphins Twitter. But you know, Raekwon, this is his first time playing in a real, not real NFL game, but a preseason NFL game. But in terms of the defense, right? Because he got injured on a special teams play, probably a little hesitant, probably doesn't fully trust his knee yet, but I think he will improve as we get more and more into the preseason and regular season, and I think Rayquan McMillan is going to be just fine. So, and what were your initial thoughts against the Buccaneers, and
3: what are you looking forward to as we head into the Panthers game? I'm looking forward to staying ahead of the injury bug, which we have been able to do thus far, and I am knocking on solid mahogany right now, so I'm trying to avoid any type of reverse jinx or anything like that, but we have been pretty ahead of the game with injuries. Um, You want to see some more young guys get some more time. And one thing that we haven't really talked about a whole lot from that first game was the way the offensive line looked. And I thought it was pretty solid for the most part, especially with that first group. So I want to see how they can do against what's usually a pretty good Carolina defense, so you want to see how that offensive line looks and see if we're still able to uh, create a pretty good pocket for Tannehill and see if we can't open some some lanes for the running backs. You mentioned the running backs and Kalen
2: Ballage looked really impressive. He had that one fumble, but if you're going to fumble, now's the time to do it when you can. Get that corrected by the coaching staff, and it's just a simple secure the ball better. Put the ball in your other hand. If you are headed towards the sideline, that ball should be in your left or right hand, whichever side the sideline is on. But Ballage powering through tacklers, finding that open hole, showing some speed. I think as we talked about during the fantasy football segment, this three-headed monster that Dolphins seem to be pushing up there, I think it's going to wreak absolute havoc on opposing defenses. And speaking of Havoc, you also got Mike Jazicki, who's coming along a little bit. And you got those wide receivers running those short routes. I said, as we headed into free agency back in March, Adam Gase wants to bring in smart players, guys who understand the nuances of the game can shift around, not not necessarily the best players at their position, but the guys who really understand the game of football, almost taking the New England Patriots model. And I think we saw a little bit about that in the first preseason game, going back to Ballage a little bit. I just want to kind of revert off the Panthers game and talk about what happened in training camp practice the other day where Ryan Tannehill threw Kalen Ballage out of the huddle. Sutton, what does that say for you about Tannehill's
3: leadership skills or does it really say anything at all? I I really just think it, it represents the, duality that we see in the media sometimes and duality was definitely a euphemism there. And in that if Tom Brady you know, Tom Brady was out of practice just punting a ball into the stands or something like that. And he's seen as having this competitive spirit and he's so he's so fiery. It's just you all the players rally around him and then you have someone like Ryan Tannehill who's been in this league for a while who and I didn't see the actual video or anything, but supposedly had Kalen Ballage go out of the huddle for a lack of a assignment and it's seen as a, like he's bastardizing Kalen Ballage or something and, and doing some kind of shame tactic or something. So, it really just becomes a laughable look at how things can be portrayed sometimes. And from my from my perspective, as someone who played in team dynamics in college, you want people holding others accountable. I mean, that's a really important function of team play. If you just have a freaking free-for-all there, trust me, we're going to be lazy and party, and that's all we're going to do. If there is focus there then some really good things can be achieved. And I have absolutely no problem with Tannehill calling somebody out, provided that it was correct in doing so, which from all accounts, it was correct in doing so. So in that instance, yeah, I, I, I have Tannehill's back.
4: And we keep hearing how, you know, Tannehill isn't vocal. He isn't one of those leaders. That's kind of been the what we've heard over the first few years of the Ryan Tannehill era. And this reminds me a lot of, Dan Marino. I mean, we all remember Dan Marino when we were a child. He would always just be yelling. He'd be angry. He'd be yelling at guys who missed assignments, receivers who dropped passes. That's what you want. Dan Marino, there's no quarterback that we will ever see probably in our lifetime that can even compare to him. And to see Ryan Tannehill, you know, even show a little bit of that glimmer, uh, that shows you that he's becoming that leader. He's kind of grasped that. He realizes that this is his opportunity. 2018 might be his last chance. So, I mean, you got a guy like Kellen Balash, who probably would have gotten blown up, maybe even injured in a real game. Yeah, he chewed him out. He sent him to the sideline, and that's what you want to see from your quarterback. He's the leader of this football team. He's the leader of that huddle, and he went out there and made an example of a guy who probably did something stupid and missed an easy assignment. So you love to see it. It's what we saw from Dan Marino when we were ch- children. It's what you saw throughout his entire career. So I'm glad to see Ryan Tannehill showing that fire and passion. Let's just hope it carries over into the regular
2: season. Week two of the NFL preseason, you're going to continue to see vanilla schemes. You're going to continue to see offenses not show a lot because obviously you're not putting too much on film. For the Dolphins, that's kind of a disadvantage because week one, you're going against Tennessee Titans Mike Rabel a new head coach, you're really not going to know what he plans to do as a head coach. You can kind of go back to his days as as the Texans defensive coordinator and kind of pick up some nuances from there, but really brand new. And that was just like for Adam Gase when his first game as a head coach of the Dolphins, you really don't fully know how they're going to act and react. They have film on Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase and so forth, but you're still not exploiting a lot. You're still not showing a lot. So you just take what you can get. And I think we kind of touched on a lot of the main points there in terms of what we need to see going forward into week two. We'll have a much better idea as we head into week three and as our starters play the entire first half. And then, like we mentioned, week four is just kind of the guys fighting to make roster spots, showing that they belong in the NFL. Next week, we'll have on Cameron Wolf, the new ESPN reporter who came from the Tennessee Titans covering them. He is now the newest beat reporter in Miami. We'll have him on the show to kind of talk to us, welcome him to Miami, and preview week three of NFL preseason. Boys, anything else before we sign off for the week? Stay
4: injury-free, and let's continue to see his players progress against the Panthers on Friday night.
2: And that's going to do it this week for us on FinCider Radio. For certain, the creepy soccer dad and House MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to FinSider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. That was Fitsider Radio, part of the Fitsider.com and the SB Nation Network.
1: Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.
0: Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile
5: hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends at 1618 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3D activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply.